Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome to Fear Ladies Podcast. I am Carolyn and today we are starting our style series where we're going to be talking about different styles of beers. Today we are talking about sours. We will be talking about the different styles of sours, the history, brewing sours, and what to expect when you are drinking a sour. Um, and today we have our co-hosts. We have Tandy, Sarah, and Lisa. And if you haven't already, please follow our podcast on apple spotify youtube wherever you can find podcasts and now we're going to go into what you're drinking tandy what are you drinking today cool hey guys um i'm, I'm actually thrilled to be on the sour episode because I, te- I typically don't really drink a lot of sours but i do enjoy them so i actually found two different beers that i'm going to try and guzzle down a little bit um, the first one is an irish one it's otterbank brewing and blending muff from County Donegal. Now, I think Otterbank is is the um, the side project of the guys from Yellow Belly, one of the guys from Yellow Belly. It is called Stick the Kettle On, which will make more sense when we go on. And it is a, a Brett-infused pale ale. So I've, I'm actually busy sipping on that right now, and I'm, in, I'm enjoying it immensely. It's lovely. And then just for later, I have got a Lindemann's Eau de Gyoza, which is just a Good old classic, um, classic Sabia, wild or fun- spontaneously fermented and blended and, you know, the finest that Lindemann's got to offer. So, yeah, I've got, I've got those. Lisa, what have you got? So I have, uh, I've gone all the way to Canada for, for this one. I have a Collective Arts pomegranate and grapefruit sour and uh, kind of slightly banged up. Uh, that's actually not the fault of the folks I got it from here in Dublin, but because I dropped it earlier. But uh interested to try this one it looks like it's one of these things that's sort of skating between being a goza with some fruit added or berliner weiss we'll talk more about that later but definitely very tart and we have actual sun out today in dublin as we're recording so it's a good one for a warm day show us the can there again it blurred out a bit with the oh sorry yes i will i will uh, get it right in the Ooh. perfect place in the camera yeah, and collective arts uh they're a canadian brewery uh anyone who hasn't come across them they always have beautiful can art uh so th- definitely one to uh you know look for on, on the shelves sarah i'm living vicariously through you guys because i just have a bit of a headache so i'm just drinking water but i love sours this is one of my favorite styles i'm raring to go ready to learn about the history and to talk about it and understand why i like it because i don't know why but it's they're just so delicious have one right now i just have a bit of a headache so uh no understandable and i'm drinking a martin house brewing sour it's called true love it's a raspberry sour ale um i like it more than i thought i would because i never know if i'll like a sour or not until i try it so and it's a beautiful pink color well you can't really see it but it's a very light pink mm. color so it's good delicious yeah. Cheers, everyone. Yeah, cheers. 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 Oh, those look so good. <laughs> Lisa, your, the color of yours is phenomenal. It's like yeah. grapefruity pink. It's really yeah. yeah. I wasn't sure what to expect if it was going to be really a deep sort of almost purple for the pomegranate, but it, it's definitely more the, that sort of grapefruity color. And I'm not always a huge fan of the, the ones that are super grapefruity, but this is actually a really interesting balance. So mm. worth seeking out. Mm. 
this Otterbank that I'm brewing, uh, that I'm drinking, sorry, um, it's um, it's not it's not as sour or as funky as what I'd almost expect for a, for a Brett ale, mm-hmm. but it's actually I like I like the fact that you can still taste the hops. It's not so sour that that that's all it is on you know on the balance. It's a it, it's still a really lovely beer to drink. I just maybe expected slightly more funky barnyardy kind of flavors, but hey, good good anyway. I'm happy to have it. So we're we going to talk about um, the different kinds of uh, different kinds of sour beers. Or Lisa, do you want to talk about history first? I'll set it up a little bit. So I, I think it's important to, to think about, you know, in a sort of pre-refrigeration, pre-industrial brewing era, re- really up until we figure out what's going on with, with yeast, uh, which is, you know, we're talking 19th century. Essentially, all beer is sour to some extent or another. Now, I'm not going to go too far down the rabbit hole of sort of different blends, although we'll certainly talk about that, I think, a bit when it comes to Belgian beers. But I think we'll we'll mostly focus on what happens kind of post that, that era, because that's when you start to get from sort of the 18th century onwards, different sort of identifiable kinds of sour beers. And so uh, it, it's actually very interesting. Some some places will say, ah, we've been brewing this for, for thousands of years. And if you look back, maybe, maybe, maybe not. But especially, I, I think, if we're looking at it again through sort of a modern lens, we have kind of the, the Belgian arm, where it does tend to be very Brett-focused, like you were saying, Tandy. And then we have sort of the German ones, your, your Berliner Weisses, your, your Gozes, which have that lactobacillus kind of sour. So two very distinct kinds of sour. But but again, I think a lot of these differences have really, um, you know, sort of, sort of been, you know, properly documentable from sort of 18th century, 19th century onwards. But then we've had this huge explosion of them in, in craft beer, really only in the last decade or so, because I, I wrote an article, and this is, uh, I, I'm sort of going back and quoting myself now, uh, back in 2011, I had to call Gozas and Berliner Weisses the other sour beers because there were only a handful of them being brewed anywhere, either in Germany or in the States. And again, I think this is one where we can really kind of blame the U.S. for the popularity of different kinds of sours taking off. But before that, it really was kind of those more Brett-focused sour beers that got the attention. So it's, it's interesting that um, what I would suggest is actually kind of a more challenging, in air quotes, um, taste with, with that bread was kind of the one that, that kicked off first to a certain extent. And then everyone realized, wow, Gozes and Berliner Weisses are super drinkable in the sun, you know, crush one of those, um, you know, when it's hot and sunny outside. But I think it's really, really interesting, you know, to maybe sort of start with the, the sort of more Brett ones that do have that kind of, you know, barnyard, horse blanket, those kind of, um, those kind of terms that are much more kind of maybe associated with wine in some ways or cheeses. It, it's very mm-hmm. kind of, in some ways, very kind of a food-focused way we describe them, even though a lot of them don't pair super well with food. So it's, it's just an interesting an interesting thing there. But again, the, the brewing techniques are also very different. So there's there's a lot there to talk about. But I think mm. if we can kind of divide them into kind of your, your sort of Belgian arm and German arm, that's a good way to start. But then, of course, there are many, many other variations. But again, even, you know, a little over 10 years ago, you had maybe... 10 or 12 total across that whole sort of sour, again, air quotes spectrum. So it's, it's blown up. I'll throw in some good quotes later as we go through, but I think it's important to think about how relatively new this is. Mm. Especially now, almost the American wild ales, right? So they're a lot newer than the European branch um, sour beers. Um, so Sarah, you were you were looking into those earlier, and, and um, off camera asked us, you know, what what is the difference between those? Because there's such different styles there. Yeah, it was. I was reading through about European sour ales, the Berliner Weiss, the Flanders, the things mm-hmm. I can't exactly pronounce very well, and then scrolling down in the BJCP guideline book about American style wild ones, and I'm like, well, what's the difference? How do we get from European to American? I'm just a little curious about that. Yeah, well, it's a really good question. And I think it, I think it's it's interesting, too, if we think about kind of open fermentation, again, kind of more of a Belgian approach for, for the most part. Um, again, once upon a time, everything more or less would have been open fermentation, either with a cool ship or whatever. So you're just whatever magical yeast is floating around in the air. You've gotten a lot of those. Uh, well, you know, after a while, some of them would be good and some of them would be not so good. So you really had to take your time and, and kind of hope for, for the best. But I, I think... Um, from the American perspective, um, Allagash is one of the first that really started to say, ooh, let's try to do this open fermentation. And Russian River as well, we're like, ooh, we're going to do our bread stuff, but it's going to be off in another part of the brewery because obviously you don't want to contaminate the rest of your brewery with bread. That's, 
that is bad. But again, to think about that sort of open fermentation, which, which again, historically, there are places obviously in Belgium that have been doing that forever. You know, Cantillon is a, is a, good, uh, is a good example, but that sort of becomes a thing where I, I think people suddenly have enough capital to sort of say, I'm gonna build a cool ship and then just kind of see what happens. But a lot of those kind of early experiments on the American side are only be kind of beginning to come to fruition in the past couple of years. Cause a lot mm -hmm. of these, like you say, take time. And I think there's also influence in the American ones from like the bourbon industry. Cause you can, you know, barrel age the heck out of a lot of these things, but you have to have a relationship with a distillery and all, all kinds of stuff. But that whole kind of wood age thing, I think is really, is really important when we think about the, at least the American sour beers, because that certainly seems to be more prevalent in sort of, you know, uh, either the quick and dirty way, we're going to chuck some oak chips into this, or we're going to invest in a big barrel program. And I think there is also one big difference in my mind, and that is, and I mean, look, I stand to be corrected, but in my mind, the, the, the more European varieties, the Belgian and the German styles, those styles are actually specific styles. So if you're judging them in a beer competition, if you're brewing them, they're, they're quite specific in what they're supposed to taste like. And because certain breweries have been doing them for a long, long, long time, they're very consistent, even though they're um, wild fermented and all of these different things. Whereas now the American styles, you can take any style of beer and sour it. So you could have a sour stout. You could age a stout. In really? A yeah, you can. Yeah. And uh, and Joanne had one on one of our podcasts, I think, a while back, and she loves it. But um, So you can take any style of beer, whether it's a pale ale, whether it's an IPA, you get sour IPAs, you get uh, sour wheat ales, you know, all of the different um, base styles of beer. Now, the way that you treat them or how you add different kinds of yeasts or different bacteria to sour them makes them their own their own thing. So they're not one style of beer. It's it's a catch-all for adding something to a base style and seeing what the hell happens and hoping it's good. Yeah, because what I'm drinking is an ale, like just a sour ale. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I feel like I should have known this, but a sour stout sounds like I, I don't know if I would like it, but I really want to try it. I'll try anything. Try it. Yeah, we'll try it for science. Try, it. <laughs> try it for science for sure. Taste buds. Gotta need to know what that is. And I think I think too, like the first couple of years, you know, like you're saying, sort of American wild or American sour ones that I came across were just like you're saying, here's our pale ale that we've thrown some bread in, or here is mm -hmm. our IPA that we've, you know, thrown some bread in or tweaked. And it's it's interesting. And I think it kind of in some ways sort of, you know, sort of presages where we are with hazy stuff where we're like, we threw some other greens in. What happened? So mm -hmm. yeah. I have a dumb question. What is Brett? Other okay. than a friend of mine. Okay, so so let's let's go into this a little bit. So when uh, sour beers can pretty much be split into two different kinds, um, Brett or Brettanomies Saccharomyces, I think is the full name. Uh, it is a kind of yeast. And it's actually a family of yeasts that you even get different strains of them, but collectively just known as Brett. So Brettanomies is, is a kind of yeast. It is, um, so it's a different kind of yeast to the normal yeast that you would ferment beer with. Um, often it's used in addition to, um, the normal sort of beer yeast, which is Saccharomyces. Cerviciae, if it's ale, and Saccharomyces pastoriaris, I think, if it's lager. Now I'm butchering those names, but Saccharomyces is, <laughs> is beer yeast, and then Brett is wild, crazy fermented uh, weird yeast. It's, it's found on the fruit, on the skins of fruit. So it's found everywhere. As with all like wild yeasts and bacteria, they're all around us all the time. So, but Brett, when you're adding it to a beer, um, it will add firstly different kinds of flavors. So it might add anything from apple, pineapple, plum. It could add fruity flavors, especially apparently if it's added on its own. So you can, brew beers only with bread, or you can um, use different strains of bread, different strains of lactobacillus, different strains of saccharomyces, and have like a mixed fermentation, which is, I think, where a lot of these mixed ferments come from, is, is adding lots of them. So this is a specific kind of yeast, and it gives us um, effectively a spectrum of flavors. On the, on the sort of low side, it gives us fruitiness. On the High side, it gives us horse blanket, hay, like weird barnyard funk. And it's like a weird thing to describe because how on earth do you describe what a barnyard tastes like? But if you can almost smell hay, like wet hay in your mouth, that's what it tastes like. 
Yeah, and some when they've gone too far, you get that kind of ammonia sort of a uh, scent <laughs> flavor. Although some yeah. people are into that. Again, there's a spectrum, I, I think, here. But And I think, too, again, back in the day, some of these would have been blended. And, and of course, in Belgium, still are mm. blended. Mm. Uh, you get your old and new ones. But that's something we'd have to do a whole deep dive on, just different mm. blends and the history of that. But uh, there, there's just a lot going on. But yeah. But, yeah, it's absolutely, again, that, you know, the, the yeast is what's driving it. We're going to talk about yeah. yeast in a couple of weeks. We're going to have a whole yeast episode so we can Indeed. talk about some of that. So, so, so then the other the other big split of sour ales is, or sour beers is lactobacillus and pediococcus, which has been re, re-taxonified to be part of the lactobacillus group, but it's two different bacteria. So not yeasts now, they're bugs. They're basically bugs that you can add to your beer. Now, what they add is something like a sharp, clean acidity. So if you almost think um, of what sourdough is like, sourdough, kimchi, sauerkraut, um, all of those are are things that use lactobacillus to ferment and give you that sourness. It's not funky. It's not straw or hay. It's kind of clean, but it's not the same as vinegar. So vinegar is a different kind of acid, and that's called acetic acid. And that can happen too, which is one of the ones that you actually want to avoid. So of the different acid-producing bugs, bacteria, and yeasts, you want to keep the, the acetic acid out, but you want to, depending on what you're going for, you want to keep the lactobacillus or pediococcus in, and you want to keep the bread in, again, depending on what you want to do. So you don't have to use both. You can use one, you can use both, you can use multiples. Um, and that's kind of part of the experimentation. Um, my suspicion is still that people started using Brett only as a way to salvage big big tanks of beer that had gone off and they just aged them for like two years and they were like, oh, this is actually pretty sweet, yay. <laughs> that's, I promise you, that's my working thing. Waste not, waste not. <laughs> I, 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 completely. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. I have a question. I'm just reading through the guidelines here about Brett beer and I'm seeing a lot of the same words you guys are talking mm. about, the barnyard or or the, uh, you know, the acidic or the nail polish remover kind of taste or yep. whatever. Um, one of the comments on the Brett beer style is, these beers should never be a Brett bomb. What's a Brett bomb? Oh yeah, that's when it's gone too far and it's just so extreme that it's, it's I, just I think, Brett. I feel like a baby diaper is one of the bad, you know, ones you can get to. Yeah, you can really go yeah. just yeah. in a direction a with some. Yeah. I have a question. So like are farmhouse ales considered I should probably know this, but I haven't had one in a long time. So like our farmhouse ales considered sours. Okay. Yeah, I'm that's thinking it. the same thing because the, the flavors I'm thinking <laughs> because, I like Saison's. Maybe yeah. this is like the segue into the reason why we like sours. Interesting so. question. Um, Lisa, I don't know. Maybe you know more than me, but I, they're not considered sours. They're not, but that doesn't no. mean they couldn't be, be sour. sour. Exactly. Well. So there's, there's, there's not sort of a straight Venn diagram, but, but yeah, your, your farmhouse, again, farmhouse is kind of a catch-all in a lot of ways. Obviously, Saison mm. is a you know, farmhouse style. Right. You, I have seen a sour Saison, I think, Tandy, going back to your idea, I, I don't think that was done on purpose. I think they were just like, we made this, we got to sell it, and um, again, it was, was not great. But again, that said, a lot of these things, especially thinking about Berliner Weisses and, and, and Gozes and things like that, that have that lactobacillus, there's a good argument that a lot of these had Brett more, more of a Brett character as well back in the day and that people kind of got away from that. But again, we, we don't know it. We don't have sort of 100% evidence, but I would recommend everyone go and read Martin Cornell and Ron Pattinson who are doing awesome work in this, uh, in this space to try to sort of figure some of that out. But it, it, it's a really good question because farmhouse does not equal sour, but it also doesn't necessarily not equal sour. Mm-hmm. So. Right. Because I've had, I'm pretty sure I've had some sour farmhouse sales, but it, but they also have that farmy yeah. smell. So when yeah. you said that, I was like, well, are would the where where do they fit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Beer. Be. This is. Can I just say <laughs> yeah. this is so? I Tandy and I, I'm doing those BGCP tasting yeah. classes where like each ta- each class you focus on a style and you taste and you're learning and reading the BGCP guidelines. This is my thing. There are so many different categorizations and then subcategories, and I find it so incredibly confusing. But yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I'm almost like, where does this fall? <laughs> well, and I think it's gotten harder. It's gotten harder, too, because when mm. I did the BJCP exam initially, this is, again, probably 12-something years ago now, 
there weren't as many categories. They've, they've expanded, yes. but you're absolutely right. There's more and more subcategories. It's a brain dump, no matter mm -hmm. what. You're just kind of memorizing stuff. But I do think, though, that when you're doing those tasting classes, you know, those are still pretty consistent in terms of trying to determine is this an off style or an off flavor or is it an off flavor in this style, but fine in another one. And especially when you're talking about sours, something may be completely wrong sure. in, you know, for example, a really clean pale ale, but could be absolutely fine yeah. in something else. So, yeah. I think I think with um, saisons, they're often they often come out slightly tart, but they're never sour sour, unless they've been deliberately soured again. So that you know that could be an example of a sour saison as opposed to a saison. Saisons were really just I mean they're also a catch all for um, for for different um, ales typically typically used as refreshers like during the day for different farm workers and and they were almost in house so that people would almost have their own yeast. Mm -hmm. It would be spontaneous and wild fermented to begin with and then they would you know harvest that yeast, reuse it over and over again because when you're making beer at size, yeast is exceptionally expensive. So mm -hmm. you know you can't and anyway in those days it wasn't just you know, little packets or little vials of of yeast to buy for people. So um that it's I think they're related, but they're not they're not the same. And they're not on the same spectrum, um, probably because of the flavor profiles as well. You wouldn't get a, um, you wouldn't get so much lactobacillus or, or that in a, in a saison. Could be wrong. Could be wrong. Happy to learn. That's an interesting question. Yeah, I don't think I've ever come across one. But again, that doesn't mean there aren't some out mm. there. Or again, there's I not bet a, there are. <laughs> a particular little region somewhere that's doing something very specific. I mean, it's all about your your terroir at the end of the day. Yeah, so, yeah. I bet there's like somebody who's figuring out how to apply like a rule 34 to beer making <laughs> just like whatever you can think of let's do it like, i bet there is like a beer named rule 34 oh there has to be there has to be <laughs> but i bet you it's some sort of like sour milkshake ipa barrel aged you know like it's like one of those pastry stout things that you don't even know what they are really and then they add sourness and milkiness yeah. and everything and you're like and then it's what? like $15 a can. Yes. <laughs> There's a brewery here that did a cherry pie sour. And I was like, all right, now I'm curious to try it. I tried it. It was amazing. It had a little bit more vanilla in it, but it was still mm. like, yeah, I was like, I feel like I'm drinking a cherry pie mm. just with like a little bit more vanilla than what you, and it was fantastic. So people oh. are getting creative. Mm. I mean, cause that sour could have gone really wrong, but they did it really well so now I, I had i had the opposite of that spectrum and this is this is some years ago now this was an right. philly beer week which is a wonderful event uh hopefully they'll get it back this year fingers crossed but uh you know everyone like you said have sort of said so we're throwing the kitchen sink at what they've got on offer because everyone wants to try the weird thing or the thing you can't normally get and i had and it sticks in my mind because it was so extra i had an oak aged imperial agave berliner vice Sam, no. What? No, no. Sounds like Just, a lot going on. <laughs> Sounds like it's too much. <laughs> it was way too much. It was it was not good. And I had paid, you know, again for for probably a you know a ten ounce uh, beer. I want to say it was like ten or twelve dollars. And again, I was happy to pay because I I like the brewery usually. But I was kind of like, did they mean to do this or did this just go nope. in a direction yeah. and they had to, to get it out? And again, not going to name the brewery because everything else in them was always lovely. But I'll just Google was, the title. Was, <laughs> Google all the ingredients <laughs> and be like, ooh. But that's it. But that said, I've had a really good agave Berliner Weiss from a different brewery. So again, all very possible, yeah. but they didn't try to add this, the extra sour. They didn't try, you know, it was right. it was just too much. I feel like an agave Berliner Weiss sounds amazing. But it, when you when you barrel age it, that's where it's gone wrong. It, it was too much, and it was definitely mm. that kind of like we threw some smoked oak chips in, in the way that like you Ooh. get like a liquid smoke flavor from some. Oh no, no, And again, they're usually lovely brewery, but it was it was no. it was a no for me. No, I, yeah. oh, that sounds like it. Gonna be a no for me, dog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so then, what kind but, uh, of what kind of sour styles do we have then? Because you know, uh, yeah. Again, this is just me Googling because I don't know a lot about sour beers. I just know that I like to drink them. Um, lambotic beers, which I didn't realize were sours, but it makes sense. You mean lambics? Yeah, lambics, sorry. Lambic. I like the idea of like lambotta that didn't drink. Though. No, lambotic <laughs> is kind of a fun <laughs> thing. <to say. laughs> lambic beers. I didn't realize there were 
those were sours, but I guess I haven't had one in forever. Flanders Red Ale. Mm. Ode Bruin. Ode Bruin. Yep. Ode yeah. Bruin. Yeah. Uh, goes or Goza, however you say it. People yeah, we were having different, a... How yeah. to pronounce it? But, yeah, yeah, I didn't realize. Are these two the G-U-E... Gyoza. Yeah, that's the Belgian one. Yeah, that's Gyoza. And then, and then Goza. Goza. Or Goza. Everybody pronounces it differently. Yeah. True. Let's clear up. How do we say this? Oh, gosh. Now, see, I've, seen, I've, I've asked two different Belgian people, and we should, we should have Charlotte, one of our, our friends, on to clear this up, because I've heard Goza. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. For the one from one Belgian person, but I've also heard Guza from another Belgian, but mm. only Goza for the German. So yeah, yeah. interesting. So that's, then, that's how I've heard it, yeah. yeah. We have Berliner Weiss, an American-style ale, and I'm sure there is plenty more that are not on this yeah. list, but I think these are, like, the the ones you see the most, probably. And, and back in the day, and I'm saying back in the day, like, even 15 years ago, I feel like you only had, like, your, your uh, you know, your Flanders Red your lambics like, maybe your, your lambics your those are kind of your ogs of all everything fruit there lambics. and then yeah fruit yeah 100 yeah and your creeks too if you, mm. you know, start to again blend things up and then you only started getting the german ones again sort of 15 ish years ago not that they had disappeared but they were very very limited in fact there, somewhere there's a photo of me again from this period like posing with one of my balls that I'd gotten with with the Goza because they were so hard to find. And I'm like, oh, I'm with my little friend. I've but, only ever uh, had two Gozas in my whole in my whole tasting life. Like you don't take you don't see them very often. They, they've exploded in the US though. Mm. They are yeah. everywhere now. And it were, you know, for the past couple of years, but but for a long time, so hard to find. But I um a couple of years ago, several of us went from the the beer, the Ladies Craft Beer Society of Ireland. We went to Brussels, Sion, and then we just kind of. But th- it was like, if I can recommend anything, go to Belgium, drink the beer. Absolutely, it's so good. Absolutely, <sighs> and it's it's a funny thing too. The 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 extent to which, again, you used to be able to get those imported certainly here to Ireland, to the UK, to the US. That's how you would get those. There wasn't really like a local production of those styles until suddenly there was, and then. Again, they just sort of explode. But I think it's really interesting to go then back to specifically the German ones like Berliner Weiss and Goza. I think Berliner Weiss was kind of the first uh, in terms of making kind of a headway, um, sort of first in the US and then other places. But the one I always used to go for was the Ich bin ein Berliner, which was made by uh, Nodding Head in Philadelphia. And I lived in Philadelphia at the time. And it, it was just so good because it was, you know, a very low key, you know, 2.8%, 3-ish percent beer. 
you would add the woodruff, you know, your sort of green syrup to, to your taste because they were very, very sour. And I think that's been kind of the, the thing that's made them become more popular is now they come sort of pre-canned with a flavor, um, you know, or, or pre-bottled either, either one, but they will have like, you know, their own raspberry or their own something. You don't normally see the woodruff, the green, the kind of traditional thing you would have, but that was the best beer if you'd been running. Like I did the Broad Street run, which is a, a 10 mile race and then went right to the pub had that at, you know, 10 o'clock in the morning after you've done a long run, like perfect, perfect, like recovery beer. Cause you know, See, you're not going to get hammered. That's amazing. If they had just advertised running, like, okay, you're running to you get beer at the, end. the pub. Yeah. I probably would run a little more often. <laughs> <laughs> you could have just told me run to the pub. Yeah. There you get Absolutely. your exercise and then you get a pint. I would run. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and then, but then you know, again, they started sort of pre-canning them with different flavors, different places. Unfortunately, Notting Head closed. They're, they're no longer with us. The beer itself still pops up here and there, other, other places. But then Goza suddenly took off in the States, I think, because you've got that sort of salty flavor mm. too. That, and that, again, it's so refreshing. Uh, again, Dogfish Head makes one sequench, which they do advertise as a sort of post-run recovery drink. Because again, it's like, three and a half, four percent. It's just gorgeous to drink it on a hot day. And that kind of, uh, you know, that style is just so nice. Again, there's the, that tartness is what just makes it yeah. refreshing yeah. and very, yeah. very moist. But it's a very soft kind of thing, too. I think, again, to go back to the Brett, they don't tend to have that kind of soft character necessarily, but the German ones no. do. So. I think, and if I were to think about why I like sours, I, I like tart things, I like sour things, although I don't like cherries. Like, And you were talking about the cherry pie one, and it's just cherries not for me. It's my least favorite um, flavor, but like the reason I like sours is you know, a day like today in Dublin and it's sunny and there's not a cloud in the sky, sitting out in a beer garden and having like a nice, like I don't want to say light, but it it's refreshing. Yeah. Yeah. It's an uplifting, refreshing taste. Like, I don't want to have a stout in the middle of summer. <laughs> and, um, I think that's why I like them, because I don't really like ciders, generally. They're too sugary, and- but the sour beers are, are, like, that ticks the box on a day like today, where I'm at the beach right now. <laughs> my background. <laughs> yeah, Carolyn, you must have a bunch in Texas. I feel like when, when I was last there, and this was years ago, there, that were, there were beginning to be a lot of so again, especially Gozas, I want to say, just again, yeah. a of German influence there. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of sours too. I mean, you don't really find a lot of Berliner Weiss, which I kind of wish we did, hmm. but it's mostly like sours, pale ales, pub ales. Actually, there's very few pub ales. I take that back. A lot of a lot of IPAs, which if you've listened to this podcast before, you know I'm sick of IPAs. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of IPAs. Oh, I don't know. I just feel like everybody goes to an IPA. I'm like, but there's so many other beers. Yeah. <laughs> there's so many other options. Well, especially if it's hot. It's nice to have a couple of a couple of choices, especially, and I think this is something that gets left out. A lot of sour beers, not all, but you know, they do they are often more low alcohol, so you could be, you know, a little more sessionable. And I think that makes a big difference. Again, this one's this one's 5.2 so that's a, so there's a mid strength but like a Berliner Weiss is typically quite low in alcohol it's, low. Not, it's not it's not it's not a highly uh, it's not high in alcohol and it doesn't have a lot of hops so it's uh, it's yeah. it's very it's almost the, oh, it's yeah. the, it's the opposite well, end of an IPA yeah, but not well, the multi side more the you know sour sour side now i'm going to be on the hunt for oh Oh, Bruin? how do you say it oh Bruin. Mm-hmm. or yeah. brain Bruin. almost Bruin. i don't know okay well, I'm going to be on the hunt for that. So if anybody knows where I can find it, let me know. I was just reading right here about um, Berliner Weisses and often served in Germany with the addition of a shot of sugar syrups, Mitschus, just means with, with uh, yeah, flavored with raspberry, woodruff, I don't know what woodruff is, or caraway schnapps. Oh, no, don't have the caraway, it's gross. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and has been described by some as the most purely refreshing beer in the world. Mm. I don't, I mean, I've, I've lived in Germany for a year and I don't remember ever ordering a beer with a shot of Mitch. Well, they, they used to only be in Berlin until they went to America suddenly and appeared. So. There's this beer that I really want to try that somebody, it's a Shandy Boys, it's 3.1. It's a uh, 70% ultra light lager and 30% high quality organ fruit for fermentation lemonade and i don't know it just sounds good you wouldn't want low quality well that's what it says <laughs> but i like kind of want to try it now i'm like 
that sounds actually really good for like on a hot day a 102 yeah. hot day i might send the husband out to the off license for a couple of beers wink wink <laughs> well, I, I, is... just went out, I just went out to get the, the new hope bohemian pilsner so i've got that chilling in the fridge for later so Ooh, nice so good nice i was thinking about sour beers and obviously i talked about like why i like them and everything but i was thinking about Okay, my mom, and I told her before, I was like, Mom, I'm going to mention you on today's podcast. And she's like, she was like, oh, wow, yeah, I agree with that. But she doesn't like beer. She doesn't drink. Um, But, you know, I would get a couple beers at the grocery store. You know, at the end of the aisle, Carolyn, when it's like, or at least, you know, like at the end of the grocery aisle, they'll have like a make your own six pack. And that's kind of where I started like experimenting and trying different beers because you don't want to commit to a whole thing. Um, And then, so, and I would pour one at home and, watch a movie with her and be like do you want to try this mom and she would sip it and it was always like with sours she's like that's beer <laughs> and like because her idea of beer is like a Budweiser or Coors Light that guys would have out of the the cooler at a softball game or something and then I think the sour beers are kind of like if I know somebody who doesn't like beer it's kind of like the gateway drug and then they realize beer can be so different than what so you think things. it can be and sours are quite like there's just I think they're a good one to introduce people to if they don't know anything or not what yeah to do, so. some people just don't I ask people I'm like do you like sour stuff because if you don't like sour stuff you're probably not gonna like a sour yeah. beer some people just don't and I'm like then I was like but I tell people I'm like try it because you might like it but you might not <laughs> yeah but it's different it's not what you think yeah. exactly <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah. so yeah. should we get on to a, a basics of how to brew a sour beer yeah, because I think it'd be good just to give a sense of, mm. you know, we're not just throwing the stuff in, although you can do that too. Um, yes. Yeah, get masking, all that good stuff. So yeah. so let's just uh, very quickly recap on the basic brewing process, okay? So the first step is mashing, where you're putting the grains into water and you're effectively making a tea with the, with the grains. You're getting all the sugars out of the water so that you can um, uh you know, get all those sugars out for the, for the fermentation to happen. Then you're basically draining it and you're adding a little bit more water so that you're getting all of the rest of them out and then you boil it and then you ferment it as in you, you cool it down very quickly, you add the yeast, it goes into primary fermentation and then depending on what you're doing, you either keg it and force carbonate it or you can age it or you can bottle it. There's many ways to go from there. So I just wanted to very quickly recap that because when you bring a sour, there are effectively three ways plus a halfway to to change to change your beer from a normal fermentation to a sour to a sour beer so the first one um is when you're using brett specifically um, but it doesn't have to only be brett but definitely when you're using brett so it's basically like any other fermentation except that once you've fermented once you've done your primary fermentation so all of the normal yeast has cleared out and made your alcohol it goes into like a conditioning barrel that has been inoculated or laced with some sort of bread. Okay. So what that does is that it then sits on that barrel and the bread gets into the beer and it adds all of those characters, but it takes a long time. Like you can't, you can't even touch that beer for at least six months. So it's a very long process, but um, bread is a, a slow sort of yeast. So it, it takes a long time, but it, it does a really good job of beers that are even high ABV, high IBU, which is hoppiness or bitterness. So it, it can handle lots of kinds of beers. It just takes a long time. So that's the one way that you'll do it. The other way is by sour mashing or by kettle souring. So in, in the mash now, the first step, you could sour there. So what you could do is you could get all of your sugars out, like you, you, you're getting up to 67 degrees or 76 or whatever you want to do. Then you let it sit. You cool it down to about 43 to 49 degrees. You let it sit for about two days without any oxygen and uh, you, you, you add something in. So normally a lactobacillus now at this stage, because lactobacillus being a bacteria, not a yeast, you don't want it to ferment. You just want it to add something to make it more acidic, more sour. So you could mash it, cool it, pitch your bugs, and then you're holding it there for a few days. And then you're going to carry on as normal. So then you're going to sparge, boil, ferment, bottle or keg as usual. But what will have happened is that the pH of your, um, your, your, I suppose, of your wort will have gone way down and the flavor would have been changed by the bugs that you pitched. So it's kind of the same as any other brew day, except that it takes a few days longer 
and you stick it, you stuck it one step, just trying to make it more acidic and more tart. Then there is kettle souring. So instead of doing it in the mash, you're doing it at the boil stage. So after you've mashed and lauted and now you've boiled, you cool it down. So this is your final volume of wort. You cool it down, you pitch your bugs, and then you come back again, and then you can reboil. Like, oh, you don't actually boil. You do it before boiling. Sorry. You add your bugs before boiling. You then hold it for a few days again, trying to remove as much oxygen as you can because the more oxygen that gets in, the more likely you um, you will get the bad bugs, the ones that taste like vinegar. So there are a couple of things that, that need to happen. So we don't want to have acetobacteria in there. Um, so you keep it anaerobic, so no oxygen, and then you proceed as normal. So again, it's it's like, it's not that big of a deal, even for a home brewer to be able to, especially kettle sour. I know a lot of people that have kettle soured at home um, with great success, and they've made Berliner Weisses, they've made lots of different styles of beer. Um, I don't know that many home brewers who have played with Brett unless they've gotten their hands on barrels. Because as Lisa mentioned earlier, when you know, typically when you're brewing, you're trying to keep these bugs out. You're trying to keep these yeasts out because they're adding characters that you're not wanting in your beer. But when you're doing a sour beer or a wild fermentation, which don't, I mean, they'll often have the same result, but there's slightly different processes involved. Um, you're inviting them in, but you're kind of only inviting selected guests. You know, you're not, you're not inviting everybody in. So those are the three main ways. Okay. So aging in a, in a barrel with bread, doing a sour mash, which apparently is quite tricky, but it is doable. And then kettle souring, which is very doable. It's just that you've got to keep control of your, oxygen then there's the third well the the third and a half the sort of halfway which is somewhat called cheating in, in basam um it is where you just you you finish your beer and you just spike it with lactic with lactic acid so you're just spiking it to make it um as acidic or as tart or as sour as you as you like and that's it my suspicion is that a lot of commercial breweries are doing that because it's much much quicker you know you don't have as many things to control um, it's probably a lot more consistent um, and it gets you the results that you want without even potentially infecting anything else. So my suspicion is that a lot of the commercial beers that we get are, are those, unless you're doing a, you know, one of these guys or a, uh, for those listening, that was my, my gyoza, um that I'm drinking. So unless you're doing one of those or unless you're drinking a beer from a brewery that is quite committed to wild or mixed fermentation or something like that. So something like Wide Street yeah. we spoke about last oh. week. You do a lot of mixed fermentation. Yeah, I had one of theirs. I think, uh, oh, I was saying um, Christina drank one on the last, uh, I think it was the Branding and Sexism episode. She had one that I had had previously as well, uh, the mixed fermentation. Mm. I can't remember the name of it, but it was so yeah. the lager, I think. good. Lager, I love what yeah. they do. So good. Mm. Yeah. And in fact, if you want to hear a little bit about how Tandy, exactly what you're saying, there are these different sort of directions you can go, but sometimes you can land in the same result on the Anubu podcast, which again, Christina was on not long ago. And the episode that Lineman is on, they talk about how they had made this amazing sour thing with, with, you know, very bready, but their mobile canning people quite reasonably were like, nope, nope, for for exactly the sort of sanitation reasons we're talking about infection, they did not want to touch it. Yeah. So they had to go back and remake the same beer, same beer in air quotes, but as a kettle sour instead of you know exactly. going to this other. So again, you're kind of getting to the same result, but in, in a different yeah. way. And again, having to sort of tweak you know your ABV and, and things like that. But mm. it's it's interesting again that there are a lot of ways to get to the same thing, and you may have to figure out what's yeah. most efficient for your particular use case. Yeah. So. Now, I, like. I, I've never brewed a sour beer and I'm probably not likely to unless I get a much bigger property where I can keep things very far away from each other. Um, but what I did find interesting was that like lactobacillus you'll use for things like a Berliner Weiss where you have almost no hops. So you're really looking yeah. for, a, for a beer that is like low IBU, so low bitterness, um, because it cannot handle um, beers with a higher alpha um, alpha acids from, from the hops. So you're really looking at low IBU beers, so like a Berliner Weiss. Um, you could use Pediococcus for ones that are higher IBUs, but you'd never use it alone, apparently. So you'd always mix it with a lactobacillus or with a bread. So you can layer these things. You know, you can you can use them alone 
like bread is often used alone or it can be used in conjunction with everything else and um and and yes and you'll use them depending on what you're looking for you might use one or more in combination and maybe at different stages of your of your ferment or of your mash process so i thought that i mean i thought that was really interesting um because i didn't i didn't really know the difference i knew that there were different bugs and 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 yeasts that you could use and um and lactobacillus i really um like i feel like i'm fairly familiar with lactobacillus because i do a lot of fermenting stuff at home yeah but I've never done it's it with beer. Yogurt. Yeah, exactly. Yes, exactly. It's in your yogurt. It's probiotic. And Sarah, I've got a, a slight theory as to why I think sours are so good. And I think it's because we we somehow know that those, um, ordinarily those probiotic rich foods like sauerkraut, kimchi, sourdough bread, whatever, are really good for our guts. So I wonder if it's a little bit of a response where that kind of sourness ev- evolutionary tastes and feels I, good I, to us. But that, but yeah, oh, that's an interesting that's theory, boy. If you tell me to drink a sour a day to keep the doctor away, I am all on board. <laughs> uh, this is making me want to go brew a Kentucky Common again, which, which again is one of those historical styles that we know some stuff about, but you know the details are so hazy. You can kind of fill in the, the blanks. You could say, oh, maybe they had a lot of lactobacillus. Maybe it did have fret. We don't really yeah. know. We do know that they tend to have that that step mashing technique, but not always because. Mm. you know it's all over the place although the one i had once that was commercially produced and again we're all guessing at this stuff like you know no one knows for sure like it was very akin to kind of a very um again a very sort of like tart refreshing you know effectively boner vice but without any kind of syrup or additional flavor so again there's this huge variety out there mm-hmm. but i like your idea tandy you know sours are good for you i think you know if guinness can be good for you you know why not? Another, yeah, why not Bring, all these others? Brew more <laughs> sours, please. Do it. Love them. I'll drink yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was pleasantly surprised. Well, I was half and half surprised that in my local, in my local off license, there were a few interesting sours. Like I've got a, I've, I've got a Flanders Red in my fridge, and I, and I got these, these other two. So the Brett Pale L and the, and the Gyoza. But there was only one other sour, uh, uh, two. There were two other sours there, and I wasn't interested in those because I know that they're just, I don't want to say faked, but they're, they're one of those kind of quick process sours. And for me, they don't really hold that much interest. I prefer the Brett, you know, where there's a little bit of complexity in the character of them. I prefer those um, myself. Um, although I do, yeah, no, I just prefer those. Give me all the straw. All the horse <laughs> yeah. blanket. I want it. That's probably a good spot. I don't know. Maybe we could. Have, maybe we should each summarize what kind of what what kind of sour we each broadly like. I think we sort of started. So. Mm, that's a good idea. Think about that one. Okay. No, I, I have to think. I I could tell you which I don't. Which ones I don't like. Like the. Like the fruity, the fruity. Is it the fruity? The ones that are syrupy. I'm not a big fan of those. Yeah. And again, I, I'm not a huge fan of the cherry flavor. So I think sometimes like those, Lin, is it the Lindemann's ones? They're not, mm, the not creeks. my favorite. They're just yeah. not. But I like the more refreshing tart ones, mm. like that grapefruit one that you're drinking right now, Lisa, looks yeah. perfect. Chef's kiss. Mm. Yeah, exactly. And, and I, I'm kind of strange. I don't tend to love the, the more bready kind of horse blankety ones. They're not. They're not my jam. I once had to judge a whole bunch of them at, for a homebrew competition. I'd be like, this is good, but I don't <laughs> like it. And it was you know, one of those things where you had to kind of step back and say, I can see this is well made. But uh, no, I, I'm much more sort of um, team Berliner Weiss, mm. t- team Goza. Again, we don't have as many Gozas here as you get in the States mm. now. So hopefully, so I'm sure summer is coming. We can make a couple of Gozas. So. Mm. Carolyn, what kind of sours do you like? All of them except for like the farmy Interesting ones, but yeah, I mean, I pretty. But then there's some that I haven't tried, so you know, to be honest, I may or may not like them. But I, I mostly like the clean sour ones. I mostly tend towards the fruit ones, but sometimes I don't like the fruit ones. Like there was an apricot one that the bartender was like, "This is amazing," and I was like, "This is terrible." So (laughs) I was like, "I don't like it." I'm like, "I'm glad you, I'm glad you like it, but I don't." I was like, "Don't bring this to me ever again." Exactly. (laughs) But uh. But yeah, I tend to go for the fruitier sours. Mm. So mm. that's my. Oh, good. Nice. How about you, Sandy? You know what? I like all of the 
all of the funky ones, the barnyardy ones, because I'm also a big Saison fan. And I know that we know that they're not the same thing, but like, give me all of that weird funk and that weird complexity and I'm there for it. Um, but that being said, like, I, I'm I'm really enjoying this gyoza, and I like I like it when this when sour beers taste like very champagne-y and are quite yes. dry. Yeah, I really I'm enjoy that. Candy. I'm with I do 100% enjoy on that one. Mm. I think they're lovely, and you know what? I'm open-minded. <laughs> I'm I want to taste I want to taste other styles that have been soured. So I've never tried a stout that's been soured. I've never even tried an oat uh, an oat brain. So like. So I don't even know what that tastes yeah. like, actually, but I, I, I'd be keen. I'd yeah, be keen. Yeah. At least for science, got to taste. Got to taste. Yeah, yeah, no, that's the thing. It's like yeah. what yes. I miss yeah. about traveling the most is going into a bar, a craft beer bar or any pub and trying something like, I've never seen this, never heard of it, don't know. Let me taste. Yeah. And then I just miss that. Mm. Yes. Trip to Belgium, trip to Berlin. We're doing to, like, it. Say, it's happening. Yeah. I'm coming. Good all. Can we do it all in one week so that way, like, I can just take the week off work? Yes, because there are trains. We can do it all. If I fall asleep in the bar, you guys are just going to have to make sure you wake me up. (laughs) There you have it, folks. Someday we're going to be able to travel again and try some of these things in in the wild. (laughs) I did a thing. Oh, dear. Well done. (laughs) Bad pun alert. Absolutely. I'll be in my cool ship. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we are at the end of our episode. Um, thank you for listening and spending time with us today. Um, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You can again check out our podcast on anywhere that you can get podcasts and YouTube. Have hey. a great day. It was wonderful to chat, ladies. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, this was fun. I'm gonna go <laughs> find a sour now. See you later. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.